This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, this is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. So the final of the Billie Jean King Cup finals is going to take place between Russia and Switzerland after a fantastic day of semi-final action. Matt has been courtside throughout. Uh, Matt, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your day? Uh, I don't think 10 is is high enough (laughs) as a scale. (laughs) And that's only partly due to the fantastic tennis that's been played on court. Uh, I was going to leave this to the end, but I'm going to tell you now, Matt's been speaking to Billie Jean King, the actual Billie Jean King, (laughs) um, which uh, we're going to play for you in tomorrow's show. So there's a little teaser. Uh, Matt had, uh, how long did you have it in in her suite, Matt? Yes, I was escorted by several security guards up to to her suite. and we had about 15 minutes together, a nice chat, um, just just amazing to be with her really at, you know, I mean, anywhere, frankly, but especially at this tournament as it's named after her. You know, she's the, she's the star of the show. Yeah, she sure is. And uh, yeah, it's going to be great to hear what Matt and Billie Jean have had to chat about because I haven't even <laughs> had a chance to listen to it yet. So that's going to be coming up in tomorrow's show. And it, it's, it's made all the more special, really, the fact that this conversation took place on Matt Roberts Day. And I'm not even going to look at Matt as I say this because <laughs> he's only going to get shy about it. Uh, it's something that Catherine and I decided to call today because it's exactly three years to the day that we handed Matt a microphone for the first time on the tennis podcast. And we said, talk about Karen Hatchinov. And, uh, and, and he did. <laughs> and he said lots of really great stuff. And we ended up saying, actually, can you talk every week on the podcast? And I've been jinxing players ever since. Yes, in the, in the right. same way, I well, we I think jinxed Karen Hatchinov because uh, someone said, "Yep, yeah, Karen Hatchinov's never in the same since." <laughs> <laughs> but he hasn't jinxed Switzerland, folks. More of that later. Uh, we'll mm. start this edition of the tennis podcast, I think, with. 
with the first match of the day. And I think we should take things in chronological order, Matt, because it's been a day that really requires some sort of examination in parts because mm. it's you look at the score lines and, and they just they don't really tell the full story because every match had some sort of intrigue or some interesting slant to it. Um, so the first match of the day was Russia against the United States. And I say Russia, it's, uh, of course, the Russian Tennis Federation, I'm supposed to say, but forget that. I'm going to call it Russia. And uh, it, it began with Sloane Stevens against uh, Ludmilla Samsonova, who was drafted in, Matt, and we weren't expecting that because I, we were very much expecting it to be Daria Kasatkina, and it wasn't. Yeah, you can see why we're not uh, Billie Jean King Cup captains, can't you? Um, we've been sort of saying all week that we think Kasatkina should be playing and she hasn't been playing and yet Russia keep winning. Um, I think I was surprised, you know, uh, I was surprised it was Samsonova, I suppose. I sort of think of her as the fifth player on this Russian team. You know, she's obviously in the top 50. She's very good player, but there's so much strength. I just wasn't expecting it to be her. Then I was alerted to the head-to-head between Samsonova and Sen Stevens. And coming in, it was a two-love head-to-head lead for Samsonova with the most recent one of those coming at Wimbledon this year. Um, And actually, Sloane Stevens said afterwards she had a good feeling that they probably would put Samsonova in, Mm. um, perhaps because of that. But that's not how the match started, was it? Because Sloane Stevens came out playing the most wonderful tennis. She was 6-1, 3-2 up with break points and doing everything that she does when she plays well, moving well, uh, picking the right shot at the right time, a lovely blend between her attacking tennis and her sort of defensive scrambling. It was just Sloane Stephens at her best for 45 minutes to start the match. Mm. Yeah, she she seems to have more time on the ball than than everybody else mm. when she's playing like that, and she seems to be able to a bit a bit Roger Federer like almost make these last ditch decisions is how it looks in terms of which way she's going to go with her forehand, and mm. and, and I I certainly don't I can't pick it until it's left the strings and I can see the trajectory of it, um, and at the same time, Matt, I really feel that you. You need to take some responsibility now for when I tweet about Sloane Stevens playing out of a mind because this is not the first time I've tweeted something like that mid-match and people have been throwing it back in my face uh, uh, a couple of hours later. But I don't, I don't think – and, and the, the, the one I'm referring back to particularly is the, the, the final she played against Simona Halep in, at Roland Garros a few years ago when, she, when I think she just played – a set and a half of some of the best tennis I could imagine. And that's what she does. She has these purple patches of form. They're clearly in her, but she sometimes plays like that and doesn't win. And 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 I do find that quite curious. And, and in this particular match against Samsonova today, I felt like it got wrestled back off her, really. I didn't even think Stevens' level dropped alarmingly or anything like that. What, what did you think? I... Agree. I don't think Stevens suddenly started playing badly at all. I think there were two big momentum swings and or moments where the momentum could swing in the second set, and they both went Samsonova's way. There was the 3-2 game, which I mentioned, where 
Samsonova was two break points down on serve, you know, lost the first set 6-1. Break point Stevens, it's looking pretty comfortable for Stevens. And Samsonova saved them with winners. Um, and then the four-all game, Stevens hit a backhand passing shot up the line at 15-all, which looked like it was going to be a winner. Just clipped the net cord and took the most dramatic change of direction I've ever seen from a net cord, went completely cross-court and just sat up for Sam Zonifer to put away an easy ball. That gave her 15-30 in the game. She then played two more purple patch points and broke serve. And sort of from that moment on, with one exception in the final set where she played a bad game, Sam Zonifer was pretty much unplayable. There's a... There's a Sabalenka quality to to her tennis when she's playing well. It's you know it's full effort into every shot, a hundred percent of the time. Maybe there's a little bit more cover on the ball than Sabalenka, um, but it's similar. And when it's working, yeah, it's it's borderline unplayable. And she hits with such purpose, and everything was going in and. I'm not sure there was that much Stevens could do, um, especially with Samsonova coming forward. That was a mid-match adjustment she made. She really started coming to the net, knocked off some nice volleys. And yeah, I thought she was brilliant. And this was her singles debut in this competition, which, you know, lots of players make their debut. What I think makes this interesting is what we said earlier. It's not like she's just the number two making her debut. She's the number fifth ranked in this team. So to get the selection ahead of Kasakina, ahead of Kudamatova, ahead of um, Alexandrova, I just think it's a real show of faith from Igor Andreev in her and must have given her a confidence boost because she certainly played the second half of that match with an awful lot of confidence. She felt like she belonged. Mm. Well, more of Samsonova later, because she was to make a second appearance in the doubles. But before then, the reason there was a doubles is because there was a fantastic fight back from Danielle Collins in a, in a really wonderful match with Anastasia Pavlichenkova. And, I mean, the first two sets were, were tie breaks. And Collins saved, I think she saved six set points in in the first set and had one of her own as well. I mean, that's that's the sort of set those two played. It was 11-9, that tie break, uh, that Pavlichenkova ended up winning. And, I mean, she celebrated that as animatedly, Matt, as I think I've ever seen Anastasia Pavlichenkova celebrate a set win or a point or a match win or anything, you know. I mean, then this is a woman who's been around for 12 years. And that was the sort of tug of war the two of them were having. And And I must admit, at that point... I just thought, well, who could who could stomach that, what Collins has just had to stomach and still come back and win? And that's what she managed to do. Yeah, extremely, extremely impressive. One of the hardest things to do in tennis, I think, is to recover from a heartbreaking set loss like that. Uh, and Collins did it superbly. I think I think Pavlyuchenkova, that, that celebration you mentioned she loves this competition. She is having such a good time here this week, you know, with her team on the side. She is very animated and she wants to be animated and she wants her team to support her as well vocally. Um, I also think she was quite tired. I think she'd played two, three set matches already. I think she knew she probably had to get that done in straight sets. So 
winning the first set was really big for her in that sense. It gave her a chance to do that. Um, but for Collins, I think what impressed me was the fact that we spoke the other day how she came out and just was playing perfect tennis right from the start. And she wasn't doing that today. She was playing well, but it wasn't perfection like it was the other day. So she had to fight. She had to be patient with herself. And she was. And by the halfway through the second set, I thought she really started to find her groove. And in the latter half of that match, the way she crushed Pavlyuchenkova's second serve in particular impressed me. She was just all over it, just hitting winners, dominating the points and you know we've we've seen glimpses of it haven't we from collins over the years when she plays like that she's damn near unstoppable mm. yeah she she was and and actually i watched her her interview on court afterwards and and she was asked you know how are you feeling because we were all looking at her and thinking how are you still standing after that and she goes oh pr- pretty good actually i i, I could carry on <laughs> And I could, I could, I could probably play another set or two. You know, no problem. I feel absolutely fine. And 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 it was a real sort of power move the way she said mm. it. Um, and and I, I believed her. I mean, she she wasn't breathing heavily. She didn't look noticeably. She didn't sort of expend the sort of energy that you sometimes see from her on the court with really loud come ons and and demonstrative behaviour. She, I think she she probably purposefully kept that under wraps to save as much energy as she could possibly muster for what was going to be required, you know. Um, But anyway, uh, afterwards she came into the press conference and and one of the interesting talking points with regard to Daniel Collins over the last year is, is something she's been very open about is that she had surgery for endometriosis and she was asked about that procedure and living with it by the journalist Remel Bulel. Let's have a little listen to that and and what she's what she's gone through and where she is now. I feel like I've been able to really put the surgery behind me. I feel like I'm kind of, you know, lucky in that regard because obviously this condition affects everyone differently. Um, and I felt immediate relief after having the surgery and now being on medication and keeping those symptoms and not having the tissue grow back. I think I have so much better stamina because I am not having that, um, you know, I'm not having the abdominal and back pain that I I used to have. Um, And that was probably one of the biggest challenges in my career. I couldn't back up my performances and um, it was always challenging and having to pull out of tournaments. So I feel like now I've been able to put that behind me. I feel like my stamina, I'm able to perform more consistently. So it gives me a lot of Um, it makes me really happy that I ended up choosing to have that surgery and, and now not having to deal with the symptoms. Hopefully, hopefully I don't have to deal with those things again for a very, very long time, but you know, you never know with this type of condition. So we'll have to just keep hoping for the best. She really is an inspirational woman, isn't she? Daniel Collins. I've got such a lot of respect for her. And I think it's yet another example of a player who you have to be a little bit careful. I think when somebody's withdrawing from a tournament or retiring from a match or, or whatever it might be to just jump to conclusions just because they might not necessarily tell you everything that's going on at that that particular moment in time there can be things going on and 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 she's an example of it and i'm i'm so happy for her that she seems to have found a solution i hope it's a long-lasting one and and also 
I think the good she has done by speak, and there's no requirement to speak and and tell everybody what's what's gone on. But the fact that she did probably will end up helping a lot of people. I think so, and I think people jump to conclusions about Danielle Collins. I think in other ways as well. Actually, they sort of maybe see her be quite vocal and demonstrative on the court, and maybe judge her for that and you know she's a competitor that is how she competes and when she comes into the press room she's always really thoughtful and uh, engages with questions and just really open and really nice and I think lots of people enjoy her company Um, and it's it's really good to hear her talk about just how much the surgery has helped and I think we've seen that this week you know what you said there about her not feeling tired at the end of the match is significant. She used to get tired, I think, in particular as tournaments went on. And this is a demanding tournament, you know, especially as a number one seed. You're, there's no sort of way to ease your way in. You're getting tough matches right from the start. You're having to back it up day after day. And she's done that brilliantly this this week. Mm. And yet it still wasn't enough in the end for the United States because old Sam Sonova, out she came with uh, her teammate, uh, Veronica Kudamatova, and they did not give Coco Vanderway and Shelby Rogers a look in, did they? I mean, it was straight set, and I watched quite a bit of it, and at no point did I think that the result was in doubt. It just, they were really impressive. They were, and that's their third match together this week and it's the third win they've had and they were a completely new partnership they'd never played together before this week and you know I think they were experimenting with some combinations and they set they landed upon this one and realized that it gelled and then it worked for Russia and yeah I thought I thought they were exceptional um there was probably two games in the second set where I think Shelby Rogers and uh, Coco Vandeweghe had Love 40 on the Russian serve, which, given the format, is actually eight break points because of the sudden death mm. deuce. Um, and yet Kudamatova and Samsonova held those games and, you know, they were just tough mentally in those strongest moments um, and absolutely deserved the win. Coco Vandeweghe, incidentally, not a fan of sudden death deuce. I mean, I don't blame her. I'm not a fan either. But um, it did sort of smack of three doubles matches this week, three losses when uh, she she described it as terrible and the uh, you know she thinks it should be played out. Um, where Shelby Rogers' assessment was sort of, you know, I don't really like sudden death dues, but it's the same for everyone. Um, Coco Vanderway was very adamant that it's an absolutely abysmal format. <laughs> <laughs> Does make it, from what you say though, that, that makes it sound like it was closer than, I, than I'd got the sense of it being. But um, I mean, yeah. I that, think it was, was literally just two games. I, I, yeah. I agree. The rest of the match, it was, it was pretty comprehensive. Mm. Yeah. And I, I, I think as well, body language wise, Samsonova and Kudamatova, they just, they, they didn't look like they doubted themselves mm. for a second. And Oh, Sam Sonova is really a late arrival, really on the scene for this for this Billie Jean King Cup Finals week, and has just made the biggest difference. That is such a big call by that team to 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 go with her and fair play. I mean, that, you know, a set down six one against Stevens. You know, it looked like a terrible decision, but they knew what they were doing, um, and so Russia into the final. 
where they are going to face Switzerland. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, tennis podcast listeners. David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in, being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times. Well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Switzerland have beaten Australia 2-0. Now, along with my Sloane Stevens tweet, you may remember 24 hours ago, I was saying how much I was looking forward to Storm Sanders against Jill Teichman and really hoping that, hoping that happened. But at 6-love, 3-love for Jill Teichman, I was rather less enthused. Um, and, uh, and then suddenly Storm whipped up a storm. And she made the comeback to three all and she was whipping up her teammates and it was getting exciting and you got two lefties going at it, hammer and tongue. It was a really good tussle for about 15 minutes, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, those were 15 great minutes. Um, it, it was amazing what what a release it seemed like for her to win a game. You know, I think she was then just suddenly able to actually focus on the task at hand and the match rather than worrying about winning a game um you know because it's one of the things about tennis isn't it six love really is irrelevant you know sort of because it's the same as seven six in terms of what mm. you've got on the on the score it's a one set and you know you're just as far away from winning if it were seven six as if it's six love um but it's it's impossible i imagine or almost impossible to tell yourself that and she was obviously really caught up in the fact that she'd lost nine games in a row. But when she did win, she yeah, she whipped up the crowd. She laughed with her teammates and, yeah, really started to play for 15 minutes. And then I think overall there was a golfing class in this match and Storm Sanders wasn't able to step up the way she has done this week. 
um, and Jill Teichman, who came in for Victoria Golubic, as we thought she would, based, according to Heinz Gunthardt, for a couple of reasons, a match-up reason, but also because of how well Teichman played in that doubles against the Czech Republic. You know, he was impressed with her and thought, yeah, she's handling the occasion, let's get her into the singles. Um, and ultimately, she was she was far too good, Teichman. Mm. Yeah. And then she got to speak to Matt Roberts in a press conference. Let's have a listen to how that went. Looking more generally at your season, mm-hmm. um, and in particular your results on hard courts, mm-hmm. I think when you came onto the tour, you were known more as a clay quarter. Just wondering what adjustments you've had to make to thrive on hard courts and how you feel it suits your game these days. Honestly, that's something that the press made up because I never felt like a only clay court player. Obviously, I, I move well on clay court, but I move well as well on hard court. So, um, as well, if I look at my junior's career, I also had results on hard court as well as on clay court. Like anything, I think my my game fits a bit everywhere. So, I I guess with the two titles on clay, I just got this uh, title. Let's say like, okay, you're a clay court player. As well, maybe my style looks a little bit like that. But uh, I mean, at the end of the day, we play, I don't know, let's say 80% of the year in hardcore, so I knew I'm going to play good on hardcore and I always felt good because, I mean, my game is not passive, so it's pretty aggressive whenever I can. I serve very good, so on clay court you can imagine how that goes. It's not the same. I don't get my three points. Let's say, like, the last game I did three aces. On clay court, obviously, that will be more difficult. So that's you told, Matt. (laughs) Yeah, Do not tell Jill Tankman that she's a clay quarter. Wow. (laughs) I like that, though. I've liked everything that I've seen about Jill Tankman this week. I've liked her her behaviour on the sidelines, how she's involved and and up for it. And then when she's got on the court, she has delivered big time and she just really has taken the moment. And and then there she was in the, the press conference, not afraid to sort of, you know, just just put the record straight you know she answered the, the question very very in in a detailed way um but um yeah she backs herself and uh, and and she's a cracking player yeah she really is and she honestly is an example of how a player can be put in a box and i've definitely been guilty of that with her you know she she mentioned in that answer the two uh, clay court titles she won uh, those were in 2019 and that was when i first I think heard of Teichman and when she first registered for me and when you see that success come on one surface I think especially when it's clay you can sometimes fall into the trap of thinking that they're only good on clay but yeah I mean after the press conference I did have a more thorough look at her results and yes those those were the standout results those ones on clay but you know she, she also was having wins on hardcore and sort of ever since the pandemic actually hardcore's been her surface final in Lexington I think semis in Dubai was it this year and then the final in Cincinnati as well where she beat well Benchik for start Osaka as well loads of good players and yeah, I definitely have taken Jill Teichman out of the clay court box and put her in, well, all court, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so are you the Nick Kyrgios to Jill Teichman's Pablo Carena Buster and Casper Ruud? <laughs> well, I mean, when you say it like that, that is horrifying to think. Um, <laughs> 
I like to think I've never called her boring or <laughs> less interesting than paint drying or whatever it was. <laughs> Kyrgios said about rude. <laughs> yes, and incidentally, I've, ju- I've just watched Casper uh, Rude play a cracking match uh, against Alexander Zverev and push him close and, and show exactly what he's made of. I mean, he uh, I really like watching Casper Rude. Um, but uh, anyway, more of that on Monday when uh, Catherine and I will get together to talk about the Paris tournament. Um, the rest of that tie went straightforwardly in the direction of Switzerland because Belinda Bencic just did what Belinda Bencic does in national team competitions. <laughs> <laughs> she absolutely took Isla Tomljanovic apart. I, I, I decided to have a little bit of a nap during uh, the intermission between uh, Sanders and Teichmann and the Bencic and Tomljanovic match. I, I slightly missed my alarm, and that match was over. So what happened? <laughs> well, I think it's a bad matchup for Tomjanovic. I don't, I don't think she does anything better than Bengtschik, really. They both want similar sorts of rallies. They both prefer their backhands, but Bengtschik's is just better, and she was sort of able to manoeuvre Tomjanovic around the court with with ease, really. Um, I think what was most impressive was Bengtschik looked like she was on a mission right from the start, three love up. But then she did get broken back and it was 3-2. But she never let any sort of negative emotion linger at all. She just re-established her authority, broke again and was just sort of away, really. And yeah, as you said, it was a typical Belinda Bengtschik performance when she's in this mood. She's She's really, really good. He is really, really good. So um, that means we have Russia against Switzerland in the final tomorrow. And before we, we get on to talk about that, Matt was in the press conference with the Swiss team. And uh, Heinz Guntart, the, the captain of the Swiss team, was in there. And you may remember um, last year when we did a, our Tennis Relived show about Steffi Graf, a, a player that Heinz Guntart coached for many, many years. Um, he joined us and, he, and he, he was a really interesting contributor to that show. And he, and he was a very good player in his own right back in the day as well. Um, and Matt, uh, Matt spoke to, to Heinz to, to get a sense really, I think, of, of what it's like doing his job. Let's have a little listen to that. Just a question about the role of a captain generally. I think sometimes for athletes when they retire, one of the hard things to discover is to replicate the sort of adrenaline rush that you get on court. Um, We see you on the sidelines really involved. Is that part of what you like about being captain? Absolutely. The second best thing after playing is being captain. I think playing is probably cooler but you reach a certain age where this comes to be impossible and uh, in a certain instincts you absolutely relive being a captain of a team you know you get into certain moods even prior to the match and on and on and you know start breathing a certain way on big points and it's just a reminder that you know you competed a long time ago as well and what you liked about competition. I still like competition, so to speak, but I'm not competitive in just about anything. So I get my competition or a dose of competitions for the girls. Absolutely fascinating, Matt. And, and he, he, I mean, I think, look, Heinz is a, a commentator as well uh, on TV. He likes to talk. He's a good talker. He's, um, he's interesting to listen to. And, and that was a really interesting insight. And I've sort of, I've heard that sort of thing a little bit before from people like Goran Ivanisevic when he was 
um, being a, a Davis Cup captain, I think, a stand-in for a little while. And then in his early days of coaching, when he was working with Marin Cilic and, and got him to the US Open or played a part in him getting to, to the US Open title win in 2014 about trying to compare the two, you know, comparing being on the court and, and being in the box. And he always used to say, crack, it's much harder being in the box because of your lack of control. I find that really hard to 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 handle. Um, but there does appear to be a very good vibe, doesn't there, in that team, in Switzerland's team. And, I mean, I was thinking back to when Bencic lost that set the other day against Angelique Kerber and she just sort of – briefly lost her mind you know and stormed stormed off the court mm-hmm. and Guntart kind of just let that happen and then you know they got back on the horse sort of thing didn't they after that but a very interesting conversation that yeah he's he's really interesting I think the sort of wider point of what athletes do after they retire is always an interesting conversation I, I think you can't replicate those feelings but you can maybe find things that come close and for him this is as close as it gets and I do think being on the court and being part of this team maybe as opposed to coaching from the sidelines you know you really can influence things and his his presence is felt which is why I asked him because I've been watching him on the sidelines and he's he just seems to get it just right you know in terms of what that team needs not not sort of too much encouragement but just at the right time he's there he's pointing at them and saying well done and everything and I just I just have found him interesting in the press conferences a week as well so I thought he would be a good talker on that and the other point to make is when you're imagining Heinz Gunthardt speaking there you've got to take into the fact that he's actually got his nails painted red at this tournament um, which is a sort of little little tradition that they've got going in the Swiss team. I, th- I think he's painting an extra nail for every match they win. Um, wow. And, yeah, so he's – and, in fact, not just him. I believe all the staff, um, men and women, have all got their nails painted. Um, it's, it's just a little sort of inside thing that they've got going on that I think all the teams have something to sort of keep them going, and, and the Swiss is uh, – nail painting <laughs> i like that that's great <laughs> great little insight okay well so one more day to go of the billy jean king cup finals and yeah it's coming up tomorrow russia against switzerland you've already told us that switzerland's going to win this whole thing matt have you seen anything today that has given you pause for thought that actually maybe that's not going to happen no um, I think, you know, Switzerland obviously had the easier tie today. So it's it's quite difficult to read in to how well they were playing, but I think it was impressive. I think what I liked was they'd had that emotional high against the Czech Republic. That was such a big deal, winning that group. But they didn't allow themselves to get too euphoric and too caught up in it. Then they came back today less than 24 hours later and just got the job done against Australia really efficiently. So they've they've saved some energy. Russia, I think Russia have had a really tough tie today. I think they're going to have sort of the same task that, that the Swiss had today, not to get too euphoric from this brilliant victory over the USA. Um, what, what I find fascinating about the matchup is that both teams have a really flexible path to victory, not to sound too much like 
John King on CNN when he's talking about the election map and how, you know, how they need to win Michigan and Georgia while they stand no chance. Absolutely nothing wrong with sounding like John King. <laughs> yeah, you he, and he, I think there's a bit of a kindred spirit there. <laughs> he is a legend. Um, but, you know, I think Switzerland are probably more reliant on Ben Shikš than Russia are any one player. But I do think there's a plausible scenario in which Ben Shikš loses her singles and Switzerland still win, you know, because mm. Teichmann was impressive today and Teichmann and Bencic have combined really well in the doubles as well. I think I think it's going to come down to the doubles and that is going to be brilliant because we've talked about Kudamatova and Samsonova, three from three this week, but then Bencic and either Goljevic or Teichmann are a great pair as well. Um, but I'm just going to give the egg still to Switzerland because because I do think Bengtschik can be a difference maker for them. Yeah, well, you make a very good case. What do you um, think, David? I've I've I've, I I've put my neck out for Switzerland. Um, yeah, I think ultimately I agree with you on that. I I I, I do look at Samsonova and think she could she could also she's capable of winning two rubbers mm. um, the way if she plays like she did today. I wonder how much Pavlichenko has got left. She's put so much in. Yeah, you know. I think you're right. That that was grueling today, demanding. She said she was struggling in that third set. All of her matches have been three sets. I think two of them over two and a half hours. Yeah. I noticed she was exercising a little bit towards the end of that match, sort of leaning over on her on her thigh, trying to sort of get. I wondered whether cramp was coming in or a little pull or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I'd probably go with Switzerland because of Bencic. Yeah, but I hope you're right about it going to the doubles because that's still definitely for me about this whole format change is is the standout thing for for me in in in, in these ties. I love having a deciding doubles point like that and and having quite a lot of them because you know you only need a winner piece and off you go. You know, it's mm. um I think that's a real boon to to the format. So I hope that happens. I hope it's a cracking day. Uh, I can't wait till tomorrow's podcast because I want to listen to Billie Jean King talking to Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Sure words. Yeah. So that's going to happen tomorrow right here on the Tennis Podcast. So tell your friends, spread the word. Um, And uh, yeah, we'll be back again tomorrow. The, uh, The final will be on the Billie Jean King Cup Facebook page. Uh, in the UK, India, and Russia. Um, it's on Tennis Channel as well in the US, and you can also stream it via the, uh, the Billie Jean King Cup website. Um, and, uh, yeah, we have Chris Albert-Lee as our executive producer. Scousel Mousel is Matt's mascot. Rogue is mine. Zeus is Catherine's. She's been presenting telly again tonight. She's got um, a semifinals day coming up tomorrow. So we'll be talking about all of that on Monday with her have i forgotten anything else matt we have samson and chester for the week our mascot of course we do samson and chester i do apologize <laughs> thank you for being our mascots this week you're most marvelous have yeah. i forgotten anything else don't think so no okay well on that note <laughs> uh, i'll wrap things up We'll be back again tomorrow. Thank you so much for your company all week long if you've been listening. And uh, happy Matt Roberts Day. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.